Section ten of a cruise in an opium clipper by Lindsay Anderson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section ten, chapters thirty one through thirty three. Chapter thirty one search for missing men horrible discovery as soon as we arrived on board the hands were mustered on deck we then found that two of our men were missing as well as the captain and three of the crew of the dutch schooner the hands were then dismissed to their dinners but told to hold themselves in readiness for an attack as the natives might come in greater force and bring some gingles along with them the men dismissed and the sentries ordered to keep a good lookout on shore captain gulliver said captain rooney mr estevelt welcome on board the eamont although we are in the midst of trouble i am glad to have made your acquaintance and pleased that we know one another better now both gentlemen warmly expressed their thanks for his cordial welcome and then we were all formally introduced to our visitors we will now go below said our captain and see what the stewards can find for us in the way of eatables and drinkables for i have no doubt you are all a little peckish after that sharp run while we are eating we will consult on what is best to be done next for we must really rescue our other men and the dutch captain and his men or find out if they are taken prisoners or what has befallen them through the consultation which proceeded at the dinner-table i was enabled to glean the particulars of what had transpired on the beach after i had left them it seems that about half an hour after we left the beach and apparently somewhat near the time that we had emerged from the pass in safety the natives in considerable force burst through the bush yelling and shouting brandishing their weapons and throwing their lances which reached nearly up to our people at their first throw seizing their rifles our men poured a volley into the advancing crowd which made them halt quickly reloading they brought their rifles to bear upon the natives but what was their consternation when they found that not a rifle would go off in the hurry and eagerness of rescuing the schooner's crew our men had gone through and through the surf all the time with their harness on and to it was attached the pouch containing the cartridges which of course in the time of direst need they found were wet and useless the natives seeing the hesitation on the part of our people began their advance again finding no more shots fired they came on with greater boldness our men retiring before them in a direction towards the pass thinking that if it was plunder they were after they might stop at the miscellaneous quantity of stores we had piled on the beach some of them halted at the pile but the others followed after our men who being unarmed had nothing left to do but make a clean pair of heels they were fortunate in finding the pass and not being encumbered with much clothing were just able to keep far enough ahead to be out of reach of their lances which they seemed to be very clever at throwing as they advanced on to the beach this flight being forced on our people in so sudden a manner there was no possibility of seeing that all were there to stop would have been death as it had been already to some of them although we knew it not yet over the hills they were hotly chased by the natives never pausing till we intervened between them with a dozen rifles that sent their shot whistling amongst the advancing crowd and with no stinted supply of cartridges that would go off 
the result of the consultation was that mr nealance and i volunteered to go along to the wrecked schooner after dark and try and find out what had become of the rest of our people and the missing captain and his men although it generally begins to get dark in those latitudes about six in the month of september we did not set out till seven thus giving the natives time to retire to their villages and leave the coast clear for our search as soon as we landed we made for the thickest part of the wood that covered the hills thinly in some places but thick enough in other places to cover our advance which was made in a careful and cautious manner proceeding in single file covered always by a tree when in the more open portions of the wood we reached the entrance of the pass unmolested having heard or seen nothing except the cry and flight of the decoy bird which we knew too well to care to follow peering into the pass with eyes well accustomed to searching in the darkness of night we found it wholly untenanted much to our gratification proceeding through the pass with still cautious steps we soon arrived at the beach and keeping close along the edge of the bush that skirted it we soon gained the position abreast of the schooner where we had landed all her stores after a slight pause to have a good look round and see that no natives were lurking about we walked down the beach to where the stores had been piled the stores were gone not a shred of anything left and in their place we found the dead bodies of our two men and one of the schooner's crew dreadfully mutilated none having less than a dozen spear wounds each thrust having been sufficient in itself to have caused death they were past all human aid so after covering them with branches torn from the bush we left them to be watched by the silent stars till we could return and give them burial the water had so far receded as to leave the wreck nearly high and dry so that when we walked down the beach we had little difficulty in finding the ladder which still hung over her side and so gained the deck on getting over her rail a horrid spectacle met our gaze lying on the deck about six feet from us were the dead bodies of two of her seamen with their heads chopped off from their bodies and their bodies a mass of spear wounds turning from this mournful sight and walking aft we came across the dead body of her captain with no fewer than fourteen spear wounds in his breast poor old man he had escaped to his vessel in the melee and possibly his two men followed to protect him and then they had met their fate the captain in his sickness could never have escaped and all honour is due to the two brave seamen who gave their lives up in attempting to defend their commander searching out some old tarpaulins we carefully covered the bodies so that the birds of prey might not get at them before we could return and more reverently dispose of them as nothing more could be done by us and we had discovered all too sadly what we had come in search of we returned to the beach and proceeded sorrowfully and quietly to retrace our steps in the direction of the harbour we arrived safely back on board the Eamont about ten o'clock, and found the two captains and their friend waiting in eager expectation for the result of our search. 
having given them all the details of our search and its mournful findings another consultation was held and a plan fixed upon whereby we hoped without proceeding to any greater extremities to lay our hands upon the murderers and deal with them as justice demanded chapter thirty two an expedition we capture a mandarin the consultation concluded captain rooney and his friend proceeded on board the receiving ship in one of our boats to make ready for their intended share of the enterprise that had been decided on our visitors having departed captain gulliver addressing mr nealance and me said you will get the tin-oared cutter ready with muffled oars as soon as you can and pick out twenty of our smartest hands to go in her arm them with cutlasses and revolvers and give them sixty rounds of ammunition each call the two head shroffs up and give them a revolver each and some ammunition while i explain to them what service is required of them to-night the shroffs soon made their appearance when the captain told them they were to accompany us as interpreters and guide us to the principal town or village on the lagoon as he and captain rooney desired to have an interview with the mandarin or other person in authority over the natives who had so savagely attacked and murdered our men and the dutch captain and his men we had not long to wait after we had everything in readiness for the expedition before a boat full of well-armed manila men arrived from the receiving ship in charge of captain rooney accompanied by his friend and one of his officers nealance and i accompanied captain gulliver into our boat as also did our shroffs looking rather frightened at the number of armed men around them captain rooney and his friend came into our boat and mr nealance took their place in the receiving ship's boat while i acted as coxswain of our boat steering by the direction of the captain who with captain rooney was extracting from the shroffs all the information they could and more especially which was the most important town in the lagoon close upon eleven p m we shoved off from the emont and acting on the information gleaned from the shroffs we pulled right across to the eastern side of the lagoon till within a few yards of the shore when the boats were headed in a direction to coast along to the eastward at a safe distance from the beach to keep clear of taking the ground after pulling silently along for a distance of seven or eight miles the outlying habitations of a somewhat extensive village began to show up the village was in total darkness and might have been easily passed had we been half a mile off quietly we pulled along till we came to a rude landing stage round which were lying a number of sampans and lighters some at anchor and some hauled up on the beach gliding alongside the landing stage we pulled up alongside far enough to be able to step from the boat on to the stage the party from the emont's boat landed first then the manila men to the number of fifteen armed in a similar manner to our men the manila men were barefooted while our men had pieces of flannel tied over their shoes to deaden the noise as we marched to the mandarin's residence the manila men under the command of their own officer were brought up to the inner end of the landing and there left to guard the landing stage and the boats captains gulliver and rooney mr eastervelt and i with six of our men and the shroffs proceeded into the town followed at a moderate distance by nealance and the other six men 
the houses were a good deal apart so that we had plenty of room to march along without the inhabitants being disturbed by any noise from us muffled as we were and if there were any dogs in this village they slept as soundly as their masters twenty minutes slow walking brought us up to the residence of the tutai or mandarin which stood a little isolated and apart from the other houses the schross discovered in a kind of lodge at the entrance a watchman one of the tutai's guards fast asleep wakening him up while we kept in the dark they explained to him that several gentlemen were anxious to have an interview with his master the tutai and enjoined on him the necessity of strict silence or himself and master might pay the penalty if they acted otherwise of being immediately shot this most unusual occurrence and the presence of so many armed men when we came into view to back up the assertion of the schroff so frightened the watchman that he fell prostrate at the feet of the schroff begging for mercy the schroff ordering him to arise told him the only way to save his life was by admitting us silently and quickly to the presence of his august master getting on his feet again the watchman led the way across the courtyard followed closely by the schroffs and the two captains while mr eastervelt and i with our six men brought up the rear nealance and his men who had come upon us at the lodge being posted there in case of emergency although no light was visible about this mansion i doubt very much if the tutai had retired for after the lapse of a very few minutes after the entrance of the watchman and the schroffs into the mansion the two captains with mr eastervelt were ushered into the room where he was sitting apparently reading or transacting business with his secretary i was left with my six men outside the door ready for what might occur i heard very little of what transpired inside except that no satisfaction could be got out of him only protests that none of his people had anything to do with the wreck at the end of about twenty minutes i and my men were called into the room and in less time than i can write it the tutai his secretary and watchman were gagged and bound then in company with us marched down to the eddy and safely deposited in the cutter of the Emont not a creature awoke to disturb our proceedings or give any alarm and without molestation we arrived back on board the Emont shortly after midnight a short parley was held when it was decided to secure the prisoners in a cabin by themselves and postponed further questioning till the morning the prisoners secured and an armed sentry placed at the door captain rooney and his friend departed in their boat to the receiving ship to get some rest if possible as a preparation for next day's proceedings boarding nettings were triced up on board the emont after the cutter had been hoisted on board and setting a careful armed watch we on board the emont retired to bed chapter thirty three preparations for a second expedition on the following morning as soon as daylight made all things visible nealance and i were sent on board the junk which lay between us and the shore with several of our men to spike her guns and bring what powder and shot we could find on board of her to supplement our stock 
as there was no knowing how much we might yet require before the natives were brought into submission to our superior civilization two kegs of powder were found but very little shot for they had mostly large piles of windstones alongside each gun as substitutes for shot what arms were discovered were also carried on board the Emont and added to the pile taken from the crew of the junk when they were disarmed the previous day the crew of the junk were safely confined in our hold they were well supplied with food but never more than two allowed on deck at a time by the time our search was over the decks of the Emont were swabbed down the guns loaded and run out and all hands mustered on deck well armed and everything done to give the Emont the appearance of a regular man-of-war a signal was then made to the receiving ship which was answered by captain rooney coming alongside the Emont in his heaviest cutter with a large complement of armed manila men two of his officers and his friend mr eastervelt captain rooney mr eastervelt and the two officers came on board and after a short parley it was decided to have breakfast before proceeding with the momentous business before us the hands were accordingly dismissed from quarters to get their breakfast while we of the afterguard descended to the cabin where a very substantial repast awaited us while at breakfast the first portion of the day's programme was settled by the captains and mr eastervelt we officers heartily assenting to their proposed plan of action punctually at eight bells the british ensign was run up on board the Emont, while the stars and stripes were at the same time displayed from the gaff of the receiving ship the hands were piped to quarters in fighting order the manila men who had breakfast with our people returned to their boat a whip was rove at the extremity of each foreyardum with a hangman's noose at the end of each whip which came down to the rail the tutai or mandarin and the man who we supposed was his secretary were then brought on to the quarter-deck to be questioned by the shroffs as interpreters anent their willingness to deliver up to us the murderers of the dutch captain and his men to all questions nothing but evasive answers could be had from them each disclaiming all knowledge of the wreckers of the previous day as well as refusing in heated language to assist us in our search for the miscreants unable to persuade the tutai to deliver up the persons who actually committed the murderous deeds or even to promise his assistance in discovering them harder measures had to be resorted to the tutai and his secretary were marched forward one on each side of the deck through an imposing array of fully armed men till they came abreast of the whips that depended from each foreyardum the nooses were placed over their heads and they were informed by the shroffs that in ten minutes time they would be run up by the neck to the yardum and there left to hang till they were dead a salutary warning to other mandarins to put an end to the wrecking and murdering of defenceless seamen who might be unfortunate enough to be cast away on their shores this information imparted to them by the shroffs in solemn and forcible language and the sight of so many well-armed determined men brought them in abject terror to their knees every assistance in their power was now offered us and they gladly promised to take us to the village where these wreckers resided and deliver the actual murderers into our hands
they were now marched back to the quarter-deck and the schroffs were ordered to take them below and give them a feed while the prisoners were below with the schroffs the emont became a scene of bustling activity for a short time two cutters were hoisted out and manned with the smartest of our crew armed with cutlass rifle and revolver with a goodly supply of cartridges another cutter was sent for from the receiving ship by captain rooney and by the time the mandarin had finished his feed a small well-armed flotilla lay alongside the emont ready to depart in quest of the murderers the mandarin and his secretary were to accompany us as guides while the bravest one amongst our schroffs consented to come as the interpreter in our two boats there were thirty-six men all told including the captain nealance and myself in the two boats of the receiving ship there were forty-five all told which included captain rooney mr eastervelt and two officers our people were men of all civilized nations while those of the receiving ship were entirely manila men a race of people very much akin to the malay in all but language End of section 10